What's up, guys? There is some drama going on right now in the jiu-jitsu community. We have New Wave and B-Team going at it again. I'll talk a little bit about that, but first, to kind of set the stage, we got to talk about the Fight Pass Invitational because that's where it all stems from. The Fight Pass Invitational, I thought, was a huge success. I thought it was a great event. Um, I'd give it like a 7.5 out of 10. It could have been better for sure. I, I'm not a big fan of just all heavyweights. It seemed like almost every match featured guys that were 220 or over. And I don't know. That seems kind of the way that Fight Pass Invitational is going, where they're trying to like establish who the baddest guys are in the sport. And obviously, you're going to get the heaviest guys to do that. But I really think they're missing out on super exciting matchups by not featuring guys under 185 pounds. But the show was good. I can't complain too much. I know a lot of people were complaining about the stalling calls. That was the one big complaint of the night. But I honestly really liked it, especially because it was mostly heavyweights competing. Typical heavyweight matchups. If I just think about some of the matchups I've seen over the years at ADCC as well as at WNO, I mean, some of those matchups are absolutely terrible. It's two guys refusing to do jujitsu. They're fighting to get the top position. They're doing lots of hand fighting. No takedowns in the first 10 minutes. It goes to overtime, and we have to wait 15, 20-ish minutes to declare a winner and all that time, we're bored out of our minds, you know. And after you see a few of those, you start asking yourself, why am I, what are we doing here? Why am I watching this? I came here to watch submission grappling. Well, the aggressive stalling calls, I really felt like added to the show because it made guys engage. And I think it brought out the best in a couple of the competitors, particularly Nikki Rod. Nikki Rod was my star of the night. I was blown away by how good Nicky Rod looked against Yuri Samoas. Now, Yuri and Nicky Rod had some bad blood going in. I don't know. Yuri was attacking B-team. He said they were attacking him. This was a big matchup. And Nicky Rod went out there and destroyed the reigning absolute ADCC champion. The guy that earned the right to face Gordon Ryan in the biggest super fight of 2024 got absolutely destroyed by Nicky Rod. Nicky Rod beat him at every facet of the game. And he couldn't have looked any better. I mean, the guy was incredible. And I really think it was because he was forced to go at his opponent. In the past, we've seen Nicky Rod play it safe. But in this one, it seems like he just he had to because if he had played like he has in some of his more recent matchups, like particularly that last like that Fight Pass Invitational where he competed against Gordon, he would have gotten 10 stalling calls and he would have lost the match on points. But he had to be a super aggressive. We saw multiple passes. We saw him attack multiple submissions. We saw multiple takedowns. I'm telling you, the guy looked like a star and looked like one of the three or four best grapplers in the world. He looked amazing. Nicholas Marigali in the main event looked amazing. He destroyed Felipe Pena, and he really just made Felipe quit. And in another reason I liked the stalling calls was because of that match. We got to see... Who was trying to do jujitsu and who was there to just kind of collect a paycheck? You know, I hate to be that harsh, but it seems like that's what Felipe's been doing. 
Felipe did not go there to beat Marigali. He showed there he showed up there not to lose. He was on his back foot most of the night. He was arguing reset calls. He gave up at the end. It was just a terrible performance. And for a guy that has a Hall of Fame career, a guy that has beaten Gordon Ryan twice, a guy that is an ADCC absolute champion, a guy that's a world champion, again, a Hall of Fame resume, to see him compete like that, I mean, I don't want to see Felipe compete again. It was that bad of a performance. He ended up getting like negative eight because he was like he got called for stalling so much, and I liked it because again, it just it made us all kind of see like okay, like even though this guy's getting negative calls, clearly he isn't there to try and beat Nicholas Marigali. He's just there to do the, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to collar tie, and I'm going to push away, I'm going to retreat. It was a very, very poor performance. And I don't know if it's a cardio issue with the Philippe or what it is, but he just hasn't looked very good the past year and a half, two years. His best performance was for sure that 45-minute long match with Gordon where he ended up giving up at the end, but... I'd say since then, you know, when Felipe lost that day to Gordon uh, in that 45-minute uh, uh, submission-only match, I defended him. I was like, look, guys, his best one of his best friends just died. He competed 45 minutes. He looked great for most of that. Yes, Gordon was winning, but it was a close match. I thought he showed really good technique, and it was a, it was a good performance. But since then, he's just seemed like he's lost all heart, like all his heart and all his fight. At ADCC, he just didn't have any fight. In his more most recent matches, particularly this one against Marigali, he just doesn't have any fight left. It's like he's satisfied with where he's at in his career, and he's just there to collect the paycheck. Not a good performance. We saw Victor Hugo beat Daniel uh, Big Dan. I'm not even going to attempt to say his last name. Uh, but he beat Big Dan in another shocking. And I think Big Dan, for like all the criticism we've gave, I just gave Felipe, like some of that could be given to Big Dan because I feel like Big Dan quits in matches. Big Dan, when things are not going his way, he kind of gives up and he makes really bad errors. And this was a prime example of Big Dan kind of shitting the bed. <laughs> uh, it's just, he's done in the past where he's just made really bad. Big errors in matches, and in this one, he ends up getting his guard passed. He's flat-backed. There's not very much time left, but, I mean, to see Big Dan, a guy that's 300 pounds, get mounted by Victor Hugo. And Victor Hugo's, what, like 240, 245, but he's got a good 40-pound weight advantage. And to see him get pinned in the mount position and then get americana was just shocking. It was, to me, just as shocking as Felipe giving up. I mean, I could never imagine a world where I would see Big Dan get americana And the only uh, the only thing I can think of is that he kind of just gave up. He was so tired, he just stopped moving and gave up. And I think Big Dan, like, that's the big question mark now I have with Big Dan because we've seen it in the past, him make really bad decisions and lose matches. But this one was, was to me, shocking. And uh, it definitely makes me, again, kind of question, especially going in, like, next ADCC. Um, I, I just, I'm going to need to see him 
have some really strong performances, particularly in matchups where he starts to kind of fall behind. Because if he can't correct that, then he'll always be a guy that you know starches people in the early rounds. But when he gets to guys that are near his skill level, he really falters and, and just makes a lot of bad mistakes. You know, it's going to be hard to make pick him as the favorite and a guy that's going to win ADCC in 2024 if this continues. Now, after the events, so I really talked about the three biggest matchups from the night. Um, I guess Mason Fowler, excuse me, I should also mention Mason Fowler competed against Haseem Rita. Haseem jumped in for uh, Gordon Ryan, and Mason Fowler destroyed him. This move, it's crazy, because I thought this move to B-team would be the best thing uh, that ever happened to Haseem. I thought his game would just explode. I thought working with Nicky Rod, working with Craig, working with the other guys there, that he was going to be a force on the jiu-jitsu scene. I mean, he was coming off the awesome ADCC performance uh, in 2022. And again, I was expecting like, man, like give this guy a year and a half at B team. Oh, man, 2024 ADCC, he is going to be a problem. But I feel like he's regressed. I feel like he's hasn't had a good performance in a while now. And Mason Fowler destroyed Haseem Rita. Now, Mason plays a very disciplined game. He's very good. Does not have very many weaknesses. Um, he's a very good wrestler. Just really, really solid grappler. A guy that is very, very, very hard to beat. And it's one of the reasons that people want to see him go against Gordon Ryan because just Mason we've seen the past couple of years, especially the, the the Mason we saw against Hasim Rita, he looks like a world-class grappler. But Mason, I'm not quite sure I can put Mason in my top 10 pound-for-pound pound grapplers. But I need to see him go against Gordon to really solidify like if he's that level. But he ends up beating Hasim Rita. Now, that's important because... I talked about Nicholas Marigali, Nicky Rod, Mason Fowler, as well as Victor Hugo. And three of those guys, after the match, called for matches against Gordon Ryan. It just it really showcased, like, hey, even though Gordon wasn't competing, he did some commentary with Brandon and TJ on uh, the stream. But even though he wasn't competing, he was still the biggest name or still the biggest guy there at the event because all three of those dudes, um, Mason Fowler, Nicky Rod, and and Victor Hugo called for matches with Gordon. Now, Victor Hugo started off with just a very like, hey, I just beat one of Gordon's teammates. I probably need to beat the winner of the main event. This is before the main event, obviously. So I need to beat the winner of Marigali and Felipe Pena. And if I beat them, then I am the number one contender to face Gordon Ryan. Nikki Rod dominates Yuri Samoas. Had a really good match against Gordon in his last one. I think most people still talk about that match, especially the haters. You know, they're always constantly commenting and telling Gordon, like, hey, in your last match against Nikki Rod, he broke your foot and would have tapped you with 10 seconds left. Nicky Rod wants that match. And Nicky Rod, after the event, calls out Gordon and says, hey, $50,000 in this rule set. 10-minute 
80cc match, or excuse me, 10 minute sub only match with the, the penalties that can be, um, the penalties that can be there. And then 80cc scoring afterwards. So the, the five minute overtime will be 80cc scoring. He said, you cannot beat me. I will put up $50,000 of my own money. You put up $50,000 of your own money, $100,000 pot, winner takes all. Mason Fowler, after he beats Hasim Rita, he's like, hey, I just dominated Hasim Rita. I'd still love this match against Gordon. I feel like it's I'm obviously the guy to make it against. Like, I didn't lose. I just won in super impressive fashion. Gordon, I hope you feel better, but let's get this match early next year. So who should fight who? Because then you also have Nicholas Marigali coming off this huge win against Felipe Pena, and he's now beaten Kynan Duarte and Felipe Pena, two ADCC gold medalists, Nogi, and he's beaten them both uh, by submission. Two humongous wins. Now, Nicholas Marigali, he wants Craig Jones. He doesn't really want to fight Nicky Rod. He doesn't. He wants to fight Craig Jones. That's the matchup. Craig has a win against him at last ADCC, and it kills Marigali. That Craig beat him. I bet he cannot believe, especially a guy that's like as egotistical as Marigali is and just believes like he is the greatest thing and gift to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Like the fact that he lost to Craig Jones, a guy that, you know, some Australian white dude who <laughs> talks about doing nose beers and, you know, partying and doing illicit drugs. Like he can't believe he lost to that guy. And he wants that back. If he could fight anybody in the world, it would 100% be Craig Jones. But Craig's not going to face him. And I don't blame Craig. Craig has been on the kind of on the cuff. He's been very close to just announcing his retirement, I feel like. I feel like whenever Craig talks about competing, you can tell that he doesn't have any love for it anymore. He says he's tired of dealing with promoters and getting underpaid. And he's like, look, I lose money every time I compete. I can make money in so many more ways and even actually make more money than competing just by doing my own thing. And the last thing he wants to do is go out and compete against some of these young guns or some of these guys that are like super hungry still when he's not feeling the same way. And I completely agree with him. You know, I do not blame him for feeling that way at all. Craig's done a lot in this sport. Even though the ADCC gold has eluded him, he's still a legend and to me still has a Hall of Fame career. Um, especially just stacking him up against other grapplers. Like he's had a phenomenal career and some of his wins are going to stand the test of times like that win over Nicholas Marigali. And now Craig, especially like he seems like he's undersized. He's uh, not competing regularly at all. And you've got Nicholas Marigali who's just biting at the bits to become the best Nogi player in the world. You've got to think he's going to be one of the guys going for double gold at next ADCC. It's just not a good matchup. However, his teammate, Nicky Rod, also wants that match. And to me, that's the no-brainer match to make after everything. Nicky Rod and Nicholas Marigali need to have a match. They're clearly, like, even outside, like, Mason Fowler. Like I said, Mason to me, still not in my top 10. I, yeah, I'm kind of interested in this match with Gordon. I don't think he really has a chance. But, hey, 
he's athletic. He's got very solid fundamental grappling. Um, I, I'd like to see it. But Marigali versus Nicky Rod is definitely the match to make. It will really establish who's the number one guy outside of Gordon Ryan. And if Nicky Rod wins, because I don't want to see him the match. Like, I think Nicky Rod needs to beat Marigali to get back at Gordon, right? Like, hey, you've lost to him twice now. Even as close as the last one was, Gordon still has two wins over you, one being by submission. I think he needs to beat, because he's beaten Big Dan. He needs to beat, uh, he's also beaten Luke Griffith. So he needs to beat Nicholas Marigali. So he beat Big Dan uh, at Five Pass Invitational, the Absolutes. He beat Luke Griffith at EBI Absolutes. Now he needs to add Nicholas Marigal. And if he beats all three of them, then the only match left is Gordon Ryan. Just beat ADCC Absolute, the current and reigning ADCC Absolute champion, Yuri Samos, in dominant fashion. Nobody else. There is just nobody else for him to face. But Gordon immediately answered that call out. So Nikki Rod calls out Gordon, $50,000. Let's make this match. Stop being scared. Gordon immediately gets on there and says, nope, I will not face Nikki Rod in, under any circumstance unless it's just some tournament, unless it's just some like ADCC. I'm, I've entered my weight division at ADCC and we happen to face, but this guy is not going to make any money off of me. But that is just so lame. Sometimes Gordon just does the lamest things. And this is one of those. I get it. He is 2-0 against the guy. And I get it. Even after this win, it's a big one. He needs to beat. It wasn't even the main event. He needs to beat Marigali. But to say, and the way he says it where it's like, I'll never face Nicky Rod. He uses my name to get clout. Oh, I am so much better than him. This guy, he's a nobody. I'm going to just, he's like on this, like, like on his throne, like, and we're all just peasants and Nicky Rod's just a peasant. It's like, dude, get him on. It sounds like you're kind of scared. And I get it because the last match was very close. Now, during regulation, Nicky Rod never came close to passing and he did capitalize on a big mistake Gordon made in 50-50. Nikki got a toehold off of poor positioning with Gordon's legs, and he ended up taking a couple of pops. It was gnarly, and then in overtime, Nikki's one of the best in the world. So, yeah, I get it. Like, that's not an easy matchup, but it just sounds weak, right? I mean, doesn't his response sound weak to you guys? Doesn't it sound like he's a little nervous, a little scared? And you guys have heard me say recently that I'm not sure how much longer we're going to see Gordon at the top, purely because of health reasons. The older he gets, he's getting ready to be, what is he, 28, 29, 30, upper 20s. But he's got a lot of wear and tear on his body. I mean, just with the stomach issues, he's had a knee surgery, he just popped a rib. Like, I don't know how much longer we're going to see Gordon uh, it was one of the big reasons, like, when Flo signed him to those 12 matches, I was like, man, there's just no way Gordon's going to have 12 matches in a year. 
Gordon, six, seven years ago, easy. That's easy money. The dude was competing all the time. But like I said, he's got a decade plus of grappling in plus a poor body. Um, it just seems like him and his brother get injured or have ailments all the time. I just don't know, you know. And I can see him like if he only does two or three events next year, he doesn't want Nick Hira to be one of those. You know, he's going to want to have one or two. He's going to want to have one warm-up match. So before he faces Mason, especially if he takes a couple more months off, he'll probably have a warm-up match where he'll face somebody that he's much bigger or much better than. Then he'll face Mason Fowler, which should be a good matchup. I still think he destroys Mason right now. Um, but then after that, I think he probably does ADCC and maybe does one more event before the end of the year. So to me, that's four four events next year at most. But I still have even a hard time believing he'll do four next year. So who knows? Marigali versus Nikki Rod, winner of that should face Gordon. And this is where it's really tough because I would love to see, especially next ADCC, um, they'll, they'll be in different weight divisions, I'm sure, if Gordon ends up doing his weight and the super fight. But I'd love to see Marigali versus first Gordon. After we see Marigali versus Nicky Rod, if he beats Nicky Rod, especially if he subs Nicky Rod, oh man, the only match is him versus Gordon. And I just, I don't think we'll ever, ever be given that matchup. But man, that would be such an interesting one. And I think it would break all the records. You know, if they somehow started beefing or even they faked a beef. If they went full Masvidal Covington, which is real. But they went full Masvidal Covington and started like going back and forth at each other. And then Marigali beat Nicky Rod in a super impressive fashion. You can't tell me that that's not a huge pay-per-view like tons of grappling fans would buy that card to see them go at it um because they're both they're both just at the top of the game right now Merrick golly is a killer and he was gordon uh he was he's gordon in the gi i mean he goes out there to sub guys he goes out there to embarrass guys and show that his jujitsu is the most technical and that's what gordon does no gi and now Marigali's starting to do this in Nogi. But I have to say, it does drive me nuts when people act like Marigali having success in Nogi is some like crazy thing. Like the guy's only been training. Like when like with his thing with Craig, that's the thing. It's like, well, Craig beat him at ADCC, but he had only been training Nogi for six months. Like, dude, the dude's been grappling for probably longer than Craig's been grappling. I mean, he started grappling when he was like a teenager. I mean, he's been training and he got to the highest. He's the best gi guy in the world. Like that doesn't just go away. And so, yeah, there's some subtle changes. Obviously there's some, some basic, uh, like gripping changes and some strategic changes and some takedown changes. He's had to learn wrestling, but let's not act like it's some new, like blue belt that started training with them. And then that got to that level. It's like, no, that was Nicholas Marigali a star in the gi. One of the most entertaining and most technical fighters um, over the past five years in the black belt adult division. He's going to have success transferring over Nogi. It's the same thing with Tyne and Dolphra. Like at the WNO, they're like, Tyne and Dolphra, 
This is his debut. They were acting like this dude was like a 16-year-old blue belt. I'm like, no, that's Tynan Dolphra. Pound for pound, him and Marigali are the two best gi players in the world right now. And honestly, I probably think Tynan is the most technical gi fighter in the world. And so watching him destroy Charlie Russell was like a no-brainer. But again, listening to these people be like, oh, man, like, who knows what his gi games or his uh, no-gi games going to look like. It's like, what do you mean? Like, it's coming from AOJ. They have systems. A lot of their, they do a lot of the same thing. He's going to be doing a lot of similar things to their other athletes. It just, it's annoying. You know, sometimes commentators drive me insane when they try to just make a storyline that really doesn't exist. But after all this, right? So we've talked now about five pass invitations. I've given you guys the matchups I think that need to be made. Tons of drama have come out. Because you have Nicholas Marigali and Gordon Ryan going at the B-team guys, particularly Nicky Rod and Craig, and then Nicky Rod and Craig kind of firing back. And it starts with Nicky Rod calling Gordon out. Calls Gordon out. And then Nicky Rod goes on to say that he was supposed to fight Marigali. Marigali wouldn't sign the contract and that Marigali is afraid to face him, just like Gordon's afraid to face him now. And both those guys, um, yeah, they're just they're afraid to face him. Well, Gordon goes on a big long rant about how the numbers don't lie, how he's the greatest ever, and about how Marigali is the most impressive grappler since ADCC, and that he has beaten more ADCC medalists than anyone this past year. Nicky Rod counters, and he's like, "No, you're an idiot." I've beaten more than anybody, and they go back and forth, back and forth. And as much as I love what's going on, as much as I love to see it, because I like the pettiness every now and again, right? I love getting on there. I love seeing Craig make videos insulting Marigali and Gordon's <laughs> intelligence, and then Marigali and Craig going on about how those guys never win and how they you know, or just losers that have never won anything important. It's a very interesting back and forth. I feel like they both bring two different things to the fight. You know, you have these guys over here. They're not the smartest. They're not the best. They're not the funniest. But, damn, they're jujitsu sexy. Like, they are so good on the mat. It speaks for itself. Then you have these guys who, they're good. They're not as good as these guys. But, man... They are so much more entertaining. They're so much more fun. They're just funny. And the battle back and forth, it's like, it's just really fascinating. I think what we need to see is we need to see a new wave versus B-team quintet where the five best guys on each team match up. We see... Marigali versus Craig one more time. We see Nicky Rod versus Gordon one more time. We see uh, Oliver Taza go against J-Rod. We see Gary Tonin go against Nicky Ryan. And then we have, I guess it'd be something like Reese, right? I guess Reese versus, like Reese Lefevre versus, or I guess it'd probably be now be Dominic Mejia. Dominic Mejia versus Ethan Krillinston. And Best of five, ADCC rules. Let's see who the best team is. Now, <laughs> I doubt either team would be willing to do it. I'm sure Donna here would, I mean, he'd shit a brick. There's no way he would allow that for his branding. And 
I just said Craig's not trying to have that rematch anytime soon. But man, that is the event to make for 2024, as much as these guys hate each other. Guys, you're visiting an academy, going to a place to train. You're looking for some advice. And I see this asked all the time, whether it's on forums or people ask me and they're like, what should I do? And you guys know, I've already told you on this podcast, if you've listened, uh, cause I've talked about it a couple of different times. How the first thing you should do is find the front desk person, find the instructor, find somebody and just, Hey, do I need to sign a waiver? And how much is the mat fee? Do you guys have a mat fee here? That is the most important thing. Then after that, be a good training partner, go in see how everyone's rolling right most of the time you can expect as a visitor guys are going to go really hard at you and that's a good thing it's almost like you're getting competition rounds go out there do your best tap early Um, but yeah do that I see this a lot of times and I've seen a few people over the years when they come to our gym that they ask like hey can I clean the mats? They're a visitor and they're like, hey, I want to stay around and I want to clean the mats. Like it's some type of like <laughs> like 1960s, like where it's some 1960s Japanese JoJo where it's like, hey, the visitors must clean the mats. You know, like, no, don't ask to clean the mats. It's it's just not, whoever started that thing or like thought that was good advice, it's not. Most gyms have a particular way they like to clean and at least at our gym, like there's a couple of different things you have to do. And it's honestly more of a hassle to have somebody new clean the mats um, that they've, they've never cleaned our mats before. Like I'd rather just clean them myself because there's just, again, a couple of steps to it. I'm going to show you and odds are you're not going to do as good a job as somebody, again, that's done it before because there are a couple particular things you need to do. Um, one being that... Look, there's a lot of hair on the mats. Most gyms, right? I mean, all gyms. I shouldn't say most. All gyms, tons of hair are going to be on that mat. And so we have a system that we like to use to get as much of the hair off the mat as possible. And anytime a new person cleans the mat, it's like they barely, they basically just get clumps of hair piled up together. And then it almost needs to be cleaned again just so we can get all the hair in one spot and then pick it up with paper towels at the end. And it's funny. We have a couple guys, we have two guys in particular that clean the mats and they get, it drives them crazy to watch people clean the mats because they can just see they're not like, number one, they're not putting in a really like hard effort. They're not putting like a really, really good effort. They're kind of just kind of half ass going through the motion, you know, they're spraying the mats and now they're using the mop, but they're kind of just half ass mopping. And again, to really do the type of job we want to see, like you gotta you gotta put some effort into it. Now, this is our gym, and I know other gyms. I'm just thinking about some of the other people, even like Eddie Bravo. Like Eddie Bravo likes cleaning his mats. Some instructors like cleaning their mats. Some instructors, again, they got their own system of doing it right. So just let's stop with the. Hey, like sit around and wait afterwards and offer to clean the mats, offer to help clean the mats. Like you don't have to work, right? You don't have to work for your right to be on our mats. Like, no, no, no. Like we'll take care of it. Like it's our mats. Like we'll do the job. Just pay the mat fee. Oh, they don't have a mat fee. Well, cool. Just be a good training partner. Go out there, get some good rounds and don't be a dick. Be a good training partner. Don't pick up and slam the girls. Don't try and kill the teenagers. 
don't be a weight bully. If you're over 200 pounds, don't try and pick off the smallest guys there, right? Like just be a good training partner and pay the math fee. Sign a waiver before you step on the mats and that is all that is required of you. Now, last thing, guys. Talked about defensive mastery recently in an episode, and um, it was a big hit. You know, a lot of you guys really liked that episode. I've had a bunch of you ask me, uh, you know, questions, and I think some of you are, are overthinking it. First, let me start by saying, look, this is a marathon. You guys know jujitsu is really, really hard. And concepts take time to learn. And it's one of the reasons in that episode I said, look, choose a position and explore. I use the word explore. Guys like Christopher Columbus and Lewis and Clark, and they, were like, they didn't discover something in a day, right? They went on months of a journey, you know, to, to try and find and try and discover uh, what they set out to do, right? And that's any great explorer. That's the mindset I want you to take, right? It's not going to be a day. It's not going to be a week. It might take you months. It might even take you years. But you explore the positions defensively. It's very different than having an offensive mindset. So you just turn off the offense, right? And just play positions, right? You're trying to get comfortable there. You're trying to get strong posture. You're trying to learn how to connect through the ground. You're trying to find inches of space. You're trying to create inches of space. And explore. Some of the discoveries you'll make will, will just shock you and will blow you away and will change your jujitsu forever. But it takes time. And so many times people want that perfect recipe. They want to know how many, how many tablespoons of sugar do I put into this? And I'm like, no, no, no. It's a feel. I can't tell you that, right? There's some things in jujitsu you just have to explore for yourself. And this is one, especially I think defensive mastery, like people are going to teach you about frames. People are going to teach you about posture, but you have to explore the different positions and you have to use those ideas. You have to use those ideas to create your own recipe for defensive mastery, right? And, um, I have faith, right? I think uh, of all the things, like defensive mastery is the easiest, right? I think it's easier to master than offense. Um, I think offense or like sweeps and like defense is the one. Like you could always work on defense no matter what skill you are. You can have success defensively. And it's one of the reasons why you hear a lot of the old heads and a lot of the old masters talk about the importance of becoming a defensive master first because it's just naturally like that's what's going to come. It's defensive mastery will come before offensive mastery. But yeah, just really I'm saying slow your roll, right? Just go through exactly. Re-listen to that podcast if you're you know so interested in really working on your defense and just understand, you know, again, I'm talking about months. Take a position and work on it for a couple of months. Work on your back escapes. Work on your mount escapes. Work on your turtle. And play it differently, right? Try different things. Explore. Till next time, guys. I love and appreciate you. Peace.